good. I think that, uh, you know, we can talk about some good. We got some good things to talk about, not just uh, un- less than less than good things. Yeah. Yeah. And we got the we got the blinds are closed, although I don't know why, because it's cloudy out there. I think I'll... Why don't you go open them up? Well, maybe I'll just do that. I'll just go over here. See, I'm over at the window now. Let's see, for those of you at home. And uh, I'm opening the blinds just a modicum, about a 45 degree open. Yeah. yeah. Give us some light. Give us some culture. But no heat. But no heat. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's got the candles are lit and the, the, the coffee and the tea is steaming in their cups. And it's 7.58 a.m. Saturday, September the 2nd, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> In the flip, I'm so happy it's September. Yeah, you know, for some reason I didn't think fall was going to come this year. I got so used to feeling that summertime in my body. Well, it uh, still will be kind of that for a little bit longer. I know, I know it will. It's not. I mean, even going out and when it's in the fifties at this time of year, there's still something in the atmosphere that is not pleasant for my body, but I can do it. It's just, uh, I don't feel like I'm operating at full steam when I'm out there. It's a weird thing to have a body. Luckily, some of us get shuck of them, eventually. And my mom did that a week or a week and a half ago. On August 22nd, about 5.30 p.m., I got to hold on to her and reassure her and talk in her ear as she was going through the throes and then into the relative tranquility of passing through. So You were saying that she was holding her arms out. Yeah. And saying, please, please, oh, please. Seeing things that were not for you to see. Yeah, she was like that most of the day. I think... uh, I got there on Tuesday morning and she was asleep. And she looked, she didn't look as good. Her color wasn't as good as it had been the night before. And I was like, hmm. But the kidney doctor was in the room when I got there. And so when she was, she was walking out, I asked to speak to her. And uh, Well, she, because we were concerned about, we, we were, wanted to get her into hospice if we yeah, could. Yeah, we wanted to get her to the next stage if there was going to be a next stage and so that's why I wanted to talk to the doctors I'd already arranged to talk to her case manager uh, that day with with the nursing staff the day before when I was down I had said I want to see the case manager I'll be down here by by noon tomorrow and would like to talk to the case manager sometime in the afternoon and they said they'd arrange it and they did but I got a chance, and once I talked to the kidney doctor, and the kidney doctor mentioned hospice before I did, I had kind of a, at that time, I had kind of a really strong feeling that hospice would be the right thing with, for my mom because she would get 24-hour in-home care, and, and uh, Medicare would pay for everything, and it was just like, man, let's just, this is the deal. If you want to be at home, yeah. we got to go this way. And, and I... 
I had talked to my mom about it before uh, I saw the case manager. Anyway, I talked to the kidney doctor. She brought up hospice before I did as, you know, next steps. She said if she chooses to go dialysis, she's going to have to change everything about her life. She'll have to get dialysis three times a week. I know her vision and her hearing are bad. Trying to arrange transportation for her, you know, all couched in the idea that mom wanted to be at home. That's right. Well, that's, and it was it was clear that, was that true. mom could not be at home alone anymore. Right. That was. I mean, my mom was aware of that even. Yeah. Uh, when we had talked about it, she said, you know, because I had talked about we had talked you and I about getting a nurse to come in two or three times. You know, maybe once a day if well, necessary. Well, you talked to her about that, but she was not having any at the beginning. Well, she didn't because she said, I, I'm regulating my insulin fine. Yeah. And we find out later that she was guessing because she couldn't read the number. She couldn't perform the, get the blood sample onto the tab and stick it into the little slot and read the numbers on the little reader. She couldn't do that. She couldn't read the numbers on her microwave, you know. But anyway, so... She was just kind of judging by how her body felt and, you know, what she'd been eating. And she'd give herself a little insulin after a bowl of ice cream or something. I don't know how she did it, but she was a nurse for 40 years. I figured she probably had a system that worked for her. And uh, anyway, then uh, her, her main doctor came in and I and said she had heard that I had spoken with the Nephrologist, is that nephrologist? The, the nephrologist, yeah. and uh, so she was in agreement about everything. And I said, "Is the case? Do you know the case?" Yeah, she's on it. She's coming down. So then, and so right, boom, boom, boom. I had talked to these three people. The case manager came in, and I was talking about how I, I want to get mom home, get her the twenty-four hour hospice in home care. And she said, "Well, let's 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 you know." hit the brakes there for just a second. I need to fill you in on what I've found out because that's the case manager's job is to kind of be my mom's representative, probably to liaise with the with the insurance company, find out. She had all the information about what my mom's Medicare supplemental insurance was going to cover, and it would not cover uh, the cost of in-home care. It would cover the cost of the equipment needed, but it would not pay for 24-hour in-home hospice care, nor would it pay for the room and board if mom was moved to a hospice center. So that was some harsh-ass news for me to hear because I had this kind of dreamy, schemy idea that mom could die at home the way she wanted to. If she needed a hospital bed, if she needed, you know, all that stuff could be provided for and, and it turns out none of it could. Or the stuff could be provided for, but she, she couldn't, she couldn't afford that kind of care. I mean, that's what I'm saying to the three audience members out there in Bill and Diane show land. She couldn't afford it. But if she had been on Medicaid, everything would have been paid for. So my mom was... But there would, there too, would be no way we could have gotten the approval for Medicaid. Right. Until she would... I mean, we She'd have to spend all her estate down. Right, and she right. didn't have that kind of time. And by the time the case manager left, I was looking at my mom and realizing, oh, what I'm seeing is that she might not live through today. Yeah. You know. So everybody just kind of left me alone after that. And so I just was in the room with mom and 
we went through it. And I tried to be as supportive as I could for her as she was making her passage. And uh, it's a day I'll never forget. And I'm glad I was there. That's about the most intimate thing you can do with another person. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, at least at that stage of life, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it compares to, I, th I don't think it's the most intimate. But it's certainly the most intimate for a 65-year-old man with his 88-year-old yeah, mother. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, I got to hold her in a way that I never got to hold her in life. And I think that I was being absolutely honest in the moment with her at that time. And I wanted to be there, I wanted to hold her, I wanted to be the one whose voice seemed to calm her down because she was trying to get out of bed, but she was actually just trying to reach whoever she was seeing because her eyes were wide open all day. I mean, wider than I'd ever seen them before. And she was not looking at anything in the room. She was, what she was looking at was not what any, we mortals any, can see at this right. moment. She was in an, even she would respond to me. She'd say, yeah, I know Bill and, and make little comments. So I knew she knew I was there, but where there was in terms of where she was, that was not the same place. She was in between somewhere. So it was interesting to me that you said she was holding her arms out mm -hmm. towards whatever she was seeing that you couldn't see, and that the nurse was asking you whether she had been holding her arms out, and you said yes, and the nurse said often people when they're dying do that. Yeah. I don't think a lot of us know that, yeah. you know. Yeah, my dad, I didn't, there was none of that with my dad. My dad was lucid, and I, but my dad had been on morphine for a year by then, and they yeah. were just, he just had a, you know, he could regulate it himself at that point, and I, so I think he regulated himself out of the world, and that's, that's kind of what they did for my mom, too, ultimately. They offered me something that would calm her down first, he said, and then the, guy, the nurse said, there's another shot that we can give her later that will help her sleep. Yeah. And I have read that as help her exit, and, uh, which I, I thought was uh, a delightful kind of code that is, you know, that happens between, <laughs> between the nursing staff and the, and the people there even though it might not be you know official I, it was the same thing with my dad he said we've just got him on morphine and well and i think that it's important for for people when they're in i mean your mom had a long life her life was diminished to the point of and she no return and she knew what was going to get her yeah she knew what was coming and uh, yeah, because she's been facing this for years. Yeah, without she, telling any of the rest right. of us. She only told us a year or so ago, but I don't think it's even been a year. I think it was I think, about. I think it's. You been, think it's been about a year? I think it's been a year and maybe a little change. Yeah, I remember her just saying it very casually, while we were driving to the pine cone for breakfast, breakfast where she had the stuffed French toast for. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Which is stuffed with, you know, custard and custard and <laughs> jam and, and yeah, you know. and strawberries and heavy syrup and whipped cream. And, you know, my mom lived 
like she knew where she was going and wasn't wasn't in a hurry to get there but wouldn't mind if it just showed up and here let me set the table for you i'll eat this ice cream i'll eat this you know i'll guess at my insulin level and i know my kidneys are already shutting down so that's part of the reason why i love the atul gawande book about uh, the book called being mortal yeah because his concept was if Someone if, is dying. If someone's dying, let them have eat what cream. they want. Yeah. Let them smoke. Let yeah. them do whatever they want because Damn they're straight. dying. Yeah. You know, let them enjoy the last part of their lives. Yeah, so. if, I'm, if I'm ever dying, I might want to have a cigarette or two. Yeah. But I'll go outside and everything. You know, you know <laughs> have, have breath mints with me and stuff. And <laughs> I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. I'm very good at regulating the direction of my smoke, so that I, my my yeah, clothes don't stink. Like a lot of smokers' clothes stink. I, I never liked that. So I avoided it. And it's easy to do. You're just aware of which way the wind is blowing. That's all you got to do. Just keep the smoke off your body and stand out of the smoke bath of the guy next to you. In any event. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to digress <laughs> there. You know, nicotine still sings in my blood. Um, but you had the good... I mean, that's pretty much what happened. I think anybody listening to the show already knows... Well, and I it's think just, that a lot of people were feeling like, oh my gosh, so many bad things are happening. Yeah. But I would like to point out that our view of everything is sort of like, we'll see that, that wonderful tale that yeah. you never know what's good or bad, yeah. you know. And in this case, I really felt like your mom was longing for death for years. Right. Ever since she turned 80. Yeah. And that's eight years. And, she uh, actually gave a speech at her 80th birthday saying that she was mad that she was still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I felt, I mean, what the overwhelming feeling I felt was gratitude. Right. That, that I got to know her, that I got to have this year where we had uh, weekly conversations, or more than weekly. Yeah. Um, and... That she was just such a kick-ass, feisty, fun woman to know, and yeah. um, right and that the end, she was out to lunch with my daughter, you know, like four days before she crashed. I know, and had a great time. And Alice was talking about what a great time they had. And there's this great picture that Alice t- took. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot lunch. of people were able to see her right. Be- I-, I was unable to see her in person because. Uh, my surgery did not really allow me to be taking our bumpy rides down to Tacoma. But um, but anyway, my my primary feeling was gratitude, relief for your mom. Yep. Um, and I feel like there's this this feeling in your mind that you need to realize that we are the, the now we're the last wave in the family right. you know that there are no more elders in our family we are the elders yes know? i have been ever since a week ago tuesday i have been quite a bit older than i was before i definitely got older when my mom died and uh it's just that's the next phase and we're quitting our jobs. We're going to be really retired. And uh, I don't know, man. I think I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be full of creativity for both of us. 
And I think we've got enough juice left in us to crank out some good shit before we're done. Well, and also, I'm looking forward to just having... Because uh, I realized that um, working has, even though it's only just been two days a week, it's still... I've structured my life around it right. to and some it's not degree. Just, it was four days a week. Yeah, right? because both of us were yeah. working. So there, right. was, there was the schedule was, was four days a week. And we were talking about it, you know, on the weekends. Uh, so it's a, it's, it was a big part of our lives because we love those people and we love that practice and we, uh, we gave our hearts to it as well as our bodies. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And uh, that's, but, a good, that's been a good experience for both of us. And, but when I was so uncertain of, and I'm still uncertain yeah. of my cancer journey, um, yeah. but I did not know um, what it was be looking like and I just thought it would be ir- irresponsible of me not to right. Me let, too. not to let them have somebody full time, yeah. you know. Yeah. Because I knew that whatever my trajectory was, it's gonna involve a lot of appointments and I have no control over the times that they can give them to me. I'm gonna take whatever appointments right. they can and I realized give I, me. I had no control over what my emotional state was gonna be on any given day. And uh, I knew that my mom was failing even before. I mean, we gave our notice, but I, I knew that my mom was going to be in crisis at some time, probably during your cancer journey. Right. So I knew that that was going to be a, a, another wrinkle that was going to affect my ability to be a steady person for them. And that's something I've taken pride in, and I think you have too, that we have been steady. And, yeah, and, that they, they could always count on us except for the rare time. I mean, we just took one vacation right. where we were both gone and right. and gave them plenty of notice and stuff like that. But I thought that can't happen anymore. And now, you know, because the operations were, were always going to be on a Tuesday or Thursday. And uh, so we gave notice when we learned that my next surgery, which is the axillary lymph node dissection, Ooh. is happening on September 19th. Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. So, but great news on the yeah. cancer front for that came about yesterday because, um, as people know, the, the my breast cancer had gone into my lymph nodes and they only took out two lymph nodes uh, when they when they did the breast cancer surgery. They take out lymph nodes to see if they do have cancer to in test, them to test to them. test them. They're they're called sentinel because uh, they're sort of the first uh, layer. Or... The, well, it's the first lymph node to pick up the dye that they inject. Oh, right. So it's almost like this is the lymph node that is attached to it's picking up yeah. the stuff and so um both of my lymph nodes were cancerous one um, was very big too um so they had been concerned that i might have cancer in other places in my body because the lymph nodes are a way that cancer can travel. It's another circulatory system within the body. Right. Cynthia was saying it's like the canals of Venice, you know, that it's it can carry things to other places. Yeah. So there were 
they had already done an, what was called an oncotype DX, which is um, a gen genetic, genomic test that they do on the tumor itself to what see how active. Your, what they took out of your breast. Right. Yeah. To I don't know if it was the breast or the lymph nodes or both, huh. um, but it was for the tumor yeah. um, itself. And they it look, was they a look scoring. At the, they look at the cells surrounding it because those are the ones that the that would be most likely to transmit the cancer. The cancer could pa travel through those genetic types faster. I don't really understand the the test, but were, I think they were looking the for the, genetic markers that cancer is attracted to, or this cancer is attracted to, so that it, the chance of it spreading, if there are those types of uh, gene markers present in other places like the lymph nodes and stuff then they know that the cancer will spread along through those uh, genetic markers faster. And well, in any event, they have a scoring system. Right. And if you get above a certain number... 26. 26. Yeah. 26 or above is bad. Yeah, then you need to, to go through chemotherapy. Yeah. And, and the way that the oncologist that we met with yesterday, it was our first meeting with the oncologist... The way he explained it was that um, it's they're looking to see if the cancer is smart yeah. and can easily travel. And he said, your cancer was not smart. And I was thinking, I mean, it was kind of funny. Yeah. Got dumb cancer. Dumb know? cancer. Um, you know, for me, that well, that was worrisome to me because I feel like dumb cancer doesn't go where it's going. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. You know, <laughs> that's Gabby there. He's like stumbling drunk. You boy. Down an alleyway or something. That's <laughs> good coffee. Yeah, yeah. Knocking over garbage cans. Still making progress. <laughs> that's what I was worried about dumb cancer. I guess I guess that's not how they term that. No, they were just... They didn't They didn't call it that. That was just like the, the way that you would think. But. Yeah. But so that test came back, um, and it just came back, I think, that day. Or, I, you know, I have not seen the results, no. but he reported. And what was the score that you had a, a score of 18? 18, so yeah. quite low yeah. on the genomics. So that was huge, huge, really. huge. Oh man, because I did not expect that news. I, I'd kind I, of, I didn't expect that we'd get good news on everything. You know, yeah. I figured, well, he knew going in that, that your bones were clear and that your, that the, the CT scans looked clear. The CT chest scan looked clear. Yeah. There's a spot on your liver that they're less than completely concerned about. They think it's probably benign, whatever it is. Uh, didn't we, and then you got the liver pathology back and what did it say? No, that's what I was going to say. We didn't have any of that when and we, when we saw the doctor, when we but saw the doctor, back, but, but everything came back and. What they what the liver thing was they said is is almost like a birthmark of yeah. um, of a collection of blood vessels. My grandmother had one of those on her lungs, and they told her she had lung cancer at one point in her life. Yeah, she went through all this stuff, and then they realized, oh, sorry, it's a birthmark. You've always had that. Yeah, but we already had the. We didn't know the oncotype hmm. or a DX going in. We didn't know the full report from the CT scans um, when we went to see the oncologist who was just was, so smart and was such a, so he was, he was like a prince I felt like oh man this is the guy this is the yeah, guy he well, knows we've got... and, he, and a very 
easy way of interacting. He was, he, he told, kept telling you, you know, you could be sitting in my seat. You already know everything I'm telling you and what it means. So he had, didn't have to explain much, and he acknowledged that and didn't run us through it just because, you know, for CYA reasons or whatever. Yeah, I really appreciated that he basically just said... He was able to um, shortcut the conversation just by saying, you already know this, great. Yeah, because he said, usually I see people earlier in the process, so yeah. uh, let me start off with... He basically explained his position in the team, yeah. and then he said, so let me start off with, do you have any burning questions? And I did have some burning questions, and he answered them um, incredibly well. And I, what I really appreciate about doctors um, is when they can explain things to you thoroughly and educate you right. about what's going on in your body and explain and then ask if you have any other questions right answer those questions and then say do you have any other questions and you know yeah it's just and he it, was he's remarkably intelligent yeah man he typed up I've a little note yeah. at the end and it was like <laughs> and I'm a fast I know but I was just like in awe and he was talking along with it as he was typing it and he was talking at a normal rate of speed so when yeah. he was typing as fast as he could say the sentence he was typing that fast yeah it was it was amazing to speak with him yesterday but <laughs> but he we he did not have the results from the from the abdominal right, the, li um, the liver thing CT scans either and and he just went through uh, he said I haven't gotten the the interpretation from the radiologist but I went through the looked at it and looked at the actual film and I don't see anything that indicates cancer yeah. so so that was a huge huge Huge, huge burden off of, because huge. even if I have additional lymph nodes that are have to be removed and and therefore have to go through chemotherapy, just knowing that there has been no spread uh, spread to any other organs yeah. or any other problems, yeah. that was huge. And quite frankly, man, it's almost like you know these CT scans and the total body bone scan. They reveal a lot of things about your body, yeah. and it's almost like, man, should everybody get these yeah, at a certain age? Everybody should, because but insurance won't pay for them. Yeah, because it would be so helpful to know. Oh. It reveals things yeah. that uh, that you might want to be concerned about. Right. I mean, one of the things that it was saying is that I have degeneration in my spine, which is very common at this age, yeah. you know. But it's kind of nice to know, okay, well, your spine is kind of in a degenerative state, and that's why you might be feeling some aches and pains. And I don't know. It was it was quite an amazing thing to go through that. It was. But I'll tell you, the, the scan results, it had all the, these different organs, the bile organs, you know, the, the your uh, all the organs yeah. and seen unremarkable by all of those is just like oh yeah baby oh i'm regular i'm just like other people yeah, yeah. well but that there was no cancer right. and that's so yeah celebratory feelings um from yeah. yesterday yeah so it's an interesting emotional uh landscape we're traveling through right now uh but I think we are doing about as well as 
I think two people could do. Well, in a lot of ways, I just feel like I've thought about this a lot. You're as you get older, if you notice it. I mean, mine was kind of a slap in the face. Hey, hey, you got cancer. You know, (laughs) Um, you better. But wait, I feel fine. You've got cancer. You you better see how you feel about death. Yeah. I mean, I. I know that a lot of people, some of my friends were saying, well, but Diane, <laughs> what about us? Because <laughs> because I was saying, you know, I've lived a good life, however yeah. things work out. and But in you point do. of fact, I think all of us at this age, we have to know what our relationship with death is. Yeah. And, and it has to do with how we lived our life right. or how we are living our life, you know. And it's not about thinking about being gone. It's about, am I ready to go? Well, and I mean, also, if I, if are I, there any things I need to wrap up? Right. Are there things I that mean. I are, are, want to do? Is my poop in a group? You well, know? because it's sort of like, when I look at this experience for myself, I think that what I identified about work, for example, is... I love working for these people because I love these people. But I actually, it's its like you're still trying to be a productive member of society. And in actuality, I don't really want to be anymore. Yeah. I, I would really love... We're past it. Uh, for example, um, one of my friends, Katie, um, she took me on a walk. Uh, she, she had wanted to go for a walk with me. Or she had actually offered several yeah, things, right. lunch or tea or, yeah. yeah, I talked about that on a previous yeah. episode. That's correct. So we had originally gone to the Bastyr Gardens, and then we went um, just a week ago to the uh, the Rose, Rose Gardens Rose, in, Woodland at Woodland Park. And I realized as we were driving back from that walk that we took from Bastyr, that she was excited that by taking me on a walk and me actually asking, can we go to Bastyr Gardens? Then she started thinking, well, where else could we go that I'm not going to? And so she hadn't been to the Rose Garden in years. And so we went there and it was beautiful. And then she said, the next, in the fall, I want to go to the Arboretum. And, you know, so she's got this whole thing laid out in her mind. Well, it's benefiting me. It's benefiting her. Um, But one of the things I was telling you is after the work time is done, which is in two weeks now, I want to spend more time going on walks with friends in beautiful places. I want to, because the thing that's great about that is it doesn't take a lot of time out of Katie's day. It's been like an hour, an hour and a half. So she can go back to her, um, she's got her own business. She can go back to her regular day, and yet she has been outside. She's been in a beautiful place. We've had wonderful talks. And and I feel like that uh, kind of freedom is what I want, mm-hmm. that we both are free to do those things. And um, uh, we're going to go over and visit with, Cat, my darling cat. Yes. And and John and see, and, I've got, you know, you've got two weeks left. I've got two days left. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, you could take over a day for me if you want to. 
have one more day. Uh, I think you'll be better at training Theo. That's oh. the other thing is that the, the doctors have found our replacement, and we'll be working with her this coming week uh, to get her ready, and you'll be working with her the following week, right. I assume, on Monday and Tuesday. And we've offered to be available by phone. Yeah, and, and stuff, we'll so. be, we'll, I'll be the main backup person, and so if Theo needs a day off, she's a young person who's an aspiring actress, and so she may have auditions or whatever, or something she's got to go to, and I can cover for her. Exactly. And uh, so it's not like we're separating. We're still going to do the laundry for him. Yeah. I just think, you know. Yeah. I, so we're still going to be connected to him. We're going to be connected. Yeah. But, but the thing that I like is that after our after my last day on the twelfth, then we will be going to. Um, Vashon, which is something I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. We haven't been out there since the pandemic. I know. Um, because Cat uh, had been visiting, Cat and John had been visiting with Ainsley and his wife, Christine, and they were talking about some of the things that uh, I was going through and the ways that I was approaching it, and uh, especially talking about the collage that I'm making. And, and, uh, uh, Christine, who I'm, I've never met Christine. I've been around Ainsley quite a bit. Yeah. Um, we didn't meet her once at the restaurant. We met her, but yeah. didn't talk okay. to her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just it's just sort just of a standing, high yeah, introduction. They were passing by and stopped at the table. So they, uh, Christine said, "I love this woman. I must meet her." Huh. You know. So um, we're gonna go over there, and and I'm so looking forward to just being able to do things like that. And that's the thing that I think about my retirement that I never put into place. Yeah. I never really did yeah. truly retire. Right. And it was partially because you were not retired either. Yeah. Right. So now I'm really I'm really grateful that you made the choice to, to, to retire. Also? Yeah. Yeah. No, it seems like the time. It seems like the time. And this way because one of the things that I've noticed is I love to read, but I don't let myself read because it's like this in my mind. Oh, I haven't got the time. Well, yeah. of course I have the time. You have the time. But man, I I had a lot of time at the hospital when I was getting all these tests. Yeah. And I was reading this book that I've been thoroughly enjoying that one of our friends, Bill Woolham, had had uh, recommended for a specific thing for me because I said. I love philosophical books with interesting topics that are funny. Yeah. And like Robertson Davies, who's yeah. one of my favorite and authors. Bill went, boop, he named and he the guy. just, he, David Lodge. He said, mm-hmm. David Lodge. And I said, really? Yeah. Okay. So I instantly bought the book. Yeah. I was so happy to have it at the hospital because I had huge chunks of time where I was waiting. And it was a great book to read during that time. But it just makes me feel like now we get to truly enjoy the the yeah. golden years in a different way. Yeah. And we're not going to be taking care of your mom, yeah. which has been a a joy and an occupation for us for the last year or so. Well, it's been more than that for me, but yeah. I yeah, know. but for me, I mean, for as far as the... last year, we were getting our groceries in for and stuff like that. There yeah. was more, more involvement. More involvement yeah. than we had been doing for a while. Right. Yeah, I think my mom had a fairly clean exit, you know. Wasn't ideal, wasn't exactly what she had in mind, but she got where she wanted to go. And I was uh I was honored to be her 
what, charioteer, or, you know, the guy, gondolier, or whatever, as she went across. We love you, Mom. We do. Always, always. Always, always, Ma. You're in me. You, you're still alive, as far as I'm concerned. Still in me. She always will be alive. Yeah. Well, She'll be alive in her grandchildren. She'll be alive in her step-grandchildren. Her great-grandchildren. Be... Yeah. yeah. She'll always be alive. That's true. I wanted a particular song for the day because Bill wrote Raise Your Heart yeah. when my mom was in, um, in her final time. And... Uh, it was the first song you really wrote for me and about something about me. Um, and I was so swept up that it wasn't just a love song, but everything about it was a love song. Um, and there's a line in it that, that says, the way you stood by and weathered it. And I've been thinking about this song ever since you were going every day down to the hospital because your mom was uh, admitted on Saturday. Friday. You went, or Friday night? Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah. And she, uh, she you passed. went down every day until Tuesday when she passed. And, um, and, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the word, the term passed, but I actually think it's, accurate it's passing beyond the veil you know there's a veil while we're here and you're passing through it beyond it your spirit is so it's not a euphemism in my mind it's a a way of describing what's going on but i really felt like you weathered it bill and that line always got me before but i love this song so much my favorite line is, we fall together when we fall apart. When I came up with that, I was like, wait a minute, I must have stolen this from somebody. It sounds too, you know, like it would already be part of the lexicon of, you know, our understanding, but I don't know. I haven't been able to find anybody else who's used it, so. Well, we do fall together when we fall apart. We do. So, yeah, but uh, I haven't decided yet what version of it I'm going to play. I wish I still had the, I probably do somewhere, the recording I made when I wrote it. Because when I recorded it so that I could myself remember it, I could not, I had to record one verse and then weep and then I punch in and record another verse. I had to edit the, the verses together from different takes because I just couldn't get through it myself. It was one of them kind of songs that, that uh, goes all the way down. Turtles. Turtles all the way down. So. And it was for a mother. And we got to ride that as much as we could, too. I think that was, that was a great... Uh, Yvonne's passing was a great teacher to me. I think I was readier because of having gone through that with you. Well, she taught me how to 
exit this world. Yeah. And, and mom, I've mom. learned more about that than, than I had ever hoped to. Yeah. And I really, I'm really grateful that she, because my mom basically just kept passing each gate and letting right. go. Right. And passing another gate. And she and did it very go. gracefully, you know. My mom wasn't as graceful, but man, she. she well, when she let she go, knew, she let it all she, go, man. She knew where she wanted to be, and it wasn't in the room with me. All I could do was hold on to her and tell her she was. I'd get her there safely, yeah. you know. Well, I love that you said, "You're not going to get there with this body, mom. Yeah. This body is used up. You got to go." Got to find different. the other way. The other way. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you for this song, Bill. Uh, you're and welcome. I, you're welcome, Diane. I, I want to give it back to you. picture to the final breath the way she turned when the lamp was lit to how you stood by and weathered it we fall together when we fall apart is there a reason to raise your heart raise your your heart from the aching day to autumn's colors as they blow away from blowing pages spinning clocks the fall of water on the fallen rocks they fall together when they fall apart to each a season so raise your heart table where you're not alone from passion's moments a wealth of blood a tear of feeling and then a flood it falls together when it falls apart each new beginning so raise your heart raise your heart It falls together when it falls apart Each new beginning So raise your 
Raise your heart, raise your heart, raise your Thank you.